Hey everybody, welcome to this week's episode of the Liberty Squadron Podcast. My name is Andrew Lewinsky, and this week I am joined with Brett Freeman. Welcome back, Andrew. Paul Braggins. Hello. And Chance Crawford. Hello, hello. So I am back from the dead. I am here. I am live. I am just for today, for right now. But, uh, uh, you know... Edwin's back in person, so I'm back in person, and uh, we'll see where things go. But um, uh, I understand that you guys played some real in-life X-Men this past weekend. We did. Uh, the three of us went to East Coast Gamers for their monthly tournament, uh, which had an amazing uh, turnout. There were 38 people, um, so uh, they, they just did four rounds, no cut or anything like that, but uh, it was so much fun to be back in person seeing everyone again uh i mean i I hadn't seen paul and chance in a a very long time uh people who i completely forgotten about were there was it was just great seeing everyone getting to to actually put the ships on the table and uh getting that like competitive mindset back i don't know about you guys i'll be really interested to hear about it but like i just could not believe how quickly I got right back in the the zone. I, I thought it was going to be like a like a slow like intro back in, but as soon as uh, the first round started, I was it felt like no time had passed really. It so, felt like no time had passed until I bumped my first ship. I mean, it it in terms of putting ships on table, it felt no, no times had passed, but it did feel really weird to have to deal with things like wiggle room and obstacles that weren't locked to the table. And, you know, not being able to point and click at things and just having people be disembodied voices over the internet. Brett was happy he could use his advantage templates again. I was happy I could use my advantage templates again. Um, but to, to what Paul was saying, so the, my first game was against someone who had uh, five strikers. And by the end of the first round, he was like, wow, this is so much more work than I'm used to on TTS. Like having to do all of these extra maneuvers. So um, I... I definitely get it, right? It's it's not as simple as the point and click, but it's so much nicer when you see the people and and the board. Like I I, I always felt on on TTS like it, it probably like once a game like a move just would not go where I thought it was gonna go, and and I didn't really have any of those uh, incidents here. It it all just felt very natural. Yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll second that. Yeah. Now, I also only flew two ships, so I didn't have anything like, you know, six interceptors I have to worry about bumping into each other like you had chance, but... Listen, train tracks was half my half my time there at, at East Coast Gamers. It, it just shows you're a pro when you can whip out those those uh, train tracks. Uh, so I flew... I hu- to... Oh, sorry, go, go ahead, Paul. It's just a case of, I know how to bump my own ships, I know how to do this properly without the thing telling me I've bumped. Thank you very much. Yeah. Um, now you you'd mentioned the the wiggle room. So um, was that some? I I know there was there was one situation involving a procket you weren't super uh, thrilled about. But was like that the the only situation, or were there there no, other times? Was, no, that was the only situation with wiggle room. The the rest of the issues I had with pushing ship plas- actual plastic ships around this board is depth perception. Like you you can you can when you've got the thing on TTS and you've got the templates on one side of the board and you're looking straight down, you can re- roughly guess where ships are going to land. Can't do that if you're standing over a table. Even you when you're like seven feet tall? 
I am I'm, I'm six feet and I was standing at a four foot high table all day because it was next to the door. <laughs> okay, fair oh, there, enough. There were there were multiple times that when the the standing tables that I stood on the first step of the table to get a better you know the the overlook view of the table to try to plan stuff. Yeah, I wasn't going to risk that. My health insurance card came through today, so if I'd fallen off the table, I'd have been out of luck. Well, I guess you just weren't in it to win it, my friend. <laughs> Beat you. Uh, and me. Ouch. <laughs> uh, so yeah, there were, there were what, like six of, of the Liberty Squadron guys who went. Um, uh, a bunch of us went three and one, and then uh, the rest went two and two. So uh, we didn't have any any poor showings, uh, which was great, but, uh, the day was completely dominated by Christoph's filthy casuals from North Jersey. Uh, they, I want to say they had like nine people there. And I think the lowest place they got was like 12th, maybe 13th. It was, it was a pretty strong showing first through fourth, uh, were all them. And then, and then Paul was there at fifth, if I recall correctly. Yep. Yeah. So it was, uh, yeah, no, they, they did very well. The my if I had to give one uh critique of the event, I do wish there was a fifth round. Uh once you hit the forty person mark, I think you want that fifth round just to to uh kinda do a little bit more separation in the, the top. Uh there were a lot of three and ones, there were two uh four and O's. I think the the winner actually only won by two MOV over yep. second place, so Exact, and there were there were multiple where there was a yeah, like you said, a two to three moe mov difference between you know like third and fourth place, for example. Right, yeah, and uh, right. So Paul Paul got fifth, I got eighth. I think the the mov difference was like maybe forty for all those those points. So I I don't know. I just I think a fifth round would have been nice. Um, but uh, you know, we did get out of there very late. Um, yeah. so they they definitely would have to start you know probably around eleven o'clock instead of the the one o'clock start that they had. But, uh, I mean, that's like, that's my biggest criticism. It was otherwise a fantastic event. The prize support there is ridiculous. Mike bird does a fantastic job. Um, and their next one they just announced is August 28th. Uh, as of when we're recording, I think there's only two or three spots left. Um, but if you can try and get down on the waiting list, if you're, you're not into the regular event, because it's going to be a really fun time again. Uh, you guys are going, right? Yes. Yeah. Oh I, yeah. I am as well. Looking on it. Yeah, and Andrew, we're dragging him along too, kicking and screaming. <clears throat> it might be the first time I've played in person X Wing in over a year, so uh, I feel like it's going to be riding a bike. Yeah, it'll come right back. Right? I I guarantee it. Come right back to me. Game's easy, man. Game's easy. All right, so on top of that, we also had the Lone Star Open happen this week. Um, you know, we can sit here, and everyone probably is already all over the fly better stuff about, oh, there's fortressing happening and all this stuff. I mean, we could get into talking about that. We could not. I don't really care. Um, but why don't we talk about what actually showed up? Zam, so it was, Zam, yeah, yeah. and Zam. And, and some Jedi mixed in for flavor. Yeah, so Chance, you would look this up earlier. How many how many Zams did you say there were? Like 30 uh, between crew and pilot? Uh, I believe there was 
33. There was 94 players in total between day one and day two. And out of those 90, there was yeah exactly 30 lists that either had Zam Crew or Zam Pilot. I mean, that's just a ridiculously high percentage. Um, so I, I don't think anyone's surprised to hear that Zam is doing really well. I mean, Zam has been doing really well since the first tournament since Zam came out. So, uh, you know, not a big shocker there, but I mean, that's a really, really, uh, high number. Um, and this it's Boba all over again, it is, except it shoots twice. I don't know. I mean, it's 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 more fair than Boba, right? But it's it's so far above the power level of basically anything else that it it kind of is a little depressing to see it out in that type of number. Um, I wasn't around when the triple jump master torpedo boats were there, but uh, I mean, the percentages kind of sound like what I I remember hearing about for for that list. I mean, I think it's partially just a testament to to how solid the fire sprite chassis is that i mean yes it's been propped up by boba by zam and by other crew but just the chassis as a whole is already so solid it just takes a little bit more to just push it over that edge and have turnouts like this yep and when you have very good and reasonably priced force crew that can just be slotted right in there it makes uh you know, it opens up that boost action so much more too. And that's really, I think where the, the fire spray shines is when it can be boosting, getting that rear arc in, in perfect positions. Now, let me ask you a question. So I know this is expensive and this is like, it's, it gets up there, but like putting Han Solo back on Boba, like, is that like crazy? No. So no, it's, I don't think it is. It's not crazy, but having that that limited dial makes a big difference, right? Because you you get the the one banks and then like the what one two three straights, and that's really what you're having to do every turn. Uh, I mean, if you you don't always need it every turn. Look, I guess like it, it, he definitely takes a fit with, um. Not having something like Perceptive Copilot, and then it's sitting at one or two coins right there. But I mean, if you don't need it every round, but it, it's that same concept of opening up that boost. Yeah, no, I, I it is really good. I mean, I personally always liked Marauder more on the non Boba um, fire sprays, I guess. Um, I mean, when what second edition dropped, we were all doing the, the Han Boba combo, but um. I think it, it works well with the other uh, ships that just prefer to be using their rear arc because then they're getting that Marauder reroll as well where Boba does want to get in tight, you know, at certain points. But uh, I don't I don't think it's crazy, right? I mean, we have to try and do something to get, get Boba back because, you know, we all kind of love him to a certain extent. Uh, he definitely is priced a bit too high as, as we're seeing now to, to really be used much so I, I hope they do something but I don't know if that that uh, voluntary stress that often is is the answer <laughs> no that makes sense and uh, it's definitely something that like I think someone's gonna eventually kind of crack um, 
Now, I mean, do we know what the ship camp list was? Like, how many ships of each size for the uh, squadrons? Like, were there a significant amount of two-ship lifts? I know they've been starting to pop up, but it's going to, like, if I'm making a two-ship list, Boba is kind of, like, something that I want to look at, he, he, even if he is that many points. Like, I actually have the uh, the listing here. So there were only nine two ship lists in the in the total field and four of those nine made the cut so what is that like how many how many people were there was that like 10 percent uh it's 10 percent of the field was two ship lists uh, yeah I mean, and almost half of them no it's not it's not crazy high but i mean a 44 percent cut rate or 50 percent whatever it is 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 pretty pretty substantial especially it's also an 11% top four cut rate as well, thanks to Django and Zam, which was the highest uh, cut rate for ship count. Yeah, so I I mean, I'm Zam Django being there, doing doing that well is not really much of a surprise, I think, but uh, I don't know, so what was, what was next? Three lists, or three ships, or four ships in a list was was the next highest chance? So next highest of the total field was four ship lists at 36%, um, which I think is also largely contributed to bo uh, all the Bosk Zam lists popping up, of which there was quite a few. Um, and that was also a 35% cut rate and then a 9% top four cut rate. And the top four was all two and four ship lists. There was no three ship lists in the top four. Yeah, so there was there was just Bosks all over the place too, right? Um, I mean, Duncan was flying Bosk. It, it seemed like most of the big names kind of had gone with the the whole Bosk route. The only the only real big name at the tournament who seemed to be flying something a, a bit different really was uh, Paul Heaver, uh, who was making uh, the the A wings and Garvin uh, do some work. Uh, and then there were, you know, Jedi and stuff like that. But uh, it was largely a Bosk and Separatist fire spray tournament, it seemed. Like, do you know the total number of Bosks? Uh, there was 15 Bosks. So roughly, I think almost exactly half of the lists that had Zam was Bosk. Oh. It, I mean, it makes sense, right? It's a... It, it's a good time for for a ship like Bosk that can just hit that hard when you're getting all those free target locks, uh, getting to keep your tokens with Gamut Key. Uh, you can really get far ahead in the damage race. Um, it's it's not an easy ship to fly, right? The the Fire Spray, or I'm sorry, not the Fire the YV-666, but uh, for the people who can figure it out, they can really make uh, make it sing. So, correct me if I'm wrong, but you're supposed to just fortress in the corner with it, right? So, so I've heard. Um, I I know there was that one. There there was one fortress game that some people were posting uh, pictures of, where Nathan ID flying uh, triple Jedi was was going against the fortressing Bosk, um, and I'm I'm very confident Nathan won if I remember correctly. But yeah, it seemed like fortressing was back. For some reason, at this tournament, um, 
I, I'm not quite sure how that escaped the whole stalling rule, but uh, I'm, I'm sure there's some reason that we're just not privy to. Hey, okay, so well, that that's going to bring me to my next, like, kind of question. So this is, like, the first large event that we've had since um, shutdown and everything. And one of the things, um, it, it was a community-run event. Like, it wasn't, like, sanctioned by AMG or FFG. Uh, so every, everything was basically, like, uh, crowdsourced. Um, there was no official rulings or anything like that. It was just kind of uh, the community being, like, let's throw this together with uh, the help of Frontline Gaming. Um, and went that direction. So my i we know that amg is still kind of uh hitting the ground running with x-wing and all the other star wars games that they have and we don't have much information on um on their op or anything like that so it's going to be really interesting to see just the like community's take of these large events like we know that um we know that like Dion and all them are, are all saying that like if they don't take care of uh, um, like events like that we used to, they're going to start running them, which is cool. Um, it, it's definitely doable, and I, I think um, other gaming systems have definitely shown that it is possible. Uh, so, but I think at the same time, um, you don't have like you have like this riff of I guess unsanctioned like rules out there and it's really kind of like um, it's hard to say what's right and what's wrong so it's kind of like if AMG doesn't really kind of give us the feedback that we need for rules and everything I mean like if I'm organizing a T a big event or anything I'm following everything um, to the T from what is said in the rules reference and all that stuff and um, because like that if a, if a player comes to the game and, and you know they say something um, you, you know they might not be listening to all the podcasts they might not be uh onto all the different facebook groups and discords and all that other fun stuff but they could just be someone that walks in and is playing the game and this is what the rules that they said um so it, it will be really interesting to see what the whole entire community take like i mean i know what the extra community take is but going in forward it's going to be interesting to see what like all these community run events like and how they perform and everything like that um, I, I would imagine that we're not going to see any kind of organized play from FFG until 2022. Like, I, I think it's still too new. And, like, it looks like things are clearing up, but I, I think as a as a organized business, um, they're just going to play the, you know, back end of things until we can really figure it out. Um, but with that being said, I, I think it's going to be great. I, I know that there's going to be... a you know, uh, LVO has the fly better um, stuff coming out, which I d don't think is another AMG sanctioned event. Like, I think that's just them organizing, right? Yeah, it's basically the same as, as LSO. It's again frontline gaming. Um, and, right. and they're just doing one of their, an X Wing event there. But it's, yeah, so it's nothing right, right, official. Right. right. So, I, I mean, I, I think your best thing is to know the rules, know everything, and then obviously follow your TO's guidance and everything like that. 
Um, but I'm also very happy to see what like, the turnout was for this event. Um, you know, granted, it, it, it was the first thing back. Um, what was it? 80 something people or 90 people? 94 people. Okay. So, but I mean, like a little bit on the lower side, but I, I think it's definitely going to have time to grow. And I hope that everything is getting back to normal. Yeah, right. I mean, 94 people is not, not huge, but it's the first one back. It was in Texas, which is, you know, not necessarily, you know, the place everyone is dying to go to right now um, because of the summer and, you know, other reasons. So I I think it's a promising uh, showing, and it, it definitely at least didn't embarrass X-Wing, I think, by there being only, only 94 people when normally for something like this you might be at, like, 150 but, you know, it's it's going to take time, I think, for you to get that many people who are willing to travel. And they really didn't announce this that far in advance. I feel like there was only about two, two and a half months notice for this. Whereas uh, Fly Better has been giving, you know, like eight to ten months notice, I think, for their events. So I, I would expect a much bigger turnout to be at LVO than there was here. So I, I think the traveling community is still strong. You have like a big con or something like that, and it's not a sanctioned event. Why are these people really going to travel to them? Like, if the prize support's not there, or if they, you know, don't know, there is no big like. I mean, obviously, it was huge when uh, FFG would offer like flight and accommodations to a big event. But if like something like that's not there, like, is that going to lose interest? Like, I mean, like, I don't know, and, and like, I hope that it doesn't. <clears throat> Yeah, I think if if everything becomes community run, we're going to be in a situation where there's far fewer big tournaments um, happening for sure, right? It's gonna they'll probably be like maybe one in each region, and it becomes almost like an, an annual thing, right? There's an LVO, an LSO, uh, maybe Atlantic City Open does one next year or something like that. But I I don't think you're gonna if there's no official support for something like a regional or a hyperspace trial, I, I think, you know, we're going to lose a lot of events. You can't just have community run events that frequently to make it worthwhile for people to travel. Right, 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 right. Okay. But, but like what I'm saying is, uh, yeah, yeah, definitely everything. Like I, I think the, the support needs to be there. And, and I think that there needs to be interest in the game still. Like, I, I really think that, a lot of it had to do with the support coming from FFG. Um, but, okay, like, so Chance, are you, like, a little bit familiar with the Warhammer crowd? Uh, I, I used to be, to an extent. So, like, something like Nova or um, these uh, frontline gaming tournaments, like, what is the appeal that draws people in? Like, what is it prize support? Is it just the love of the game? Is it... Um, I mean, for the for I think for these bigger tournaments, a lot of it, yeah, it's prize support. A lot of it for forty k, a lot of it's the painting though, um, because there's so much customize uh, like customization in forty k. Half the people just go for the the painting competitions or the army composition competitions, and also comparative to usually what's at your local store, a lot of the like at least at Nova. A lot of like the terrain and everything is leaps and bounds better of what you'll see at your you know average game store. So it's a chance to to in those kind of games to to get to experience like playing the game in a in a in a view you'd never would. Um, 
as far as actually playing the game, I, I, I never played at a big event like Nova for 40k, so I can't speak to that. But just from the people I interacted with and whatnot, I think that was a big thing of it. Um, part of the reason I, I personally think that the the turnout for uh, the Lone Star Open was low is I think the the meta is a little is gotten a little stale because we haven't gotten the regular points change that we kind of got used to to keep things in rotation. So with all the you know tabletop tournaments and everything going on, I don't want to say the meta is solved, but we've kind of been seeing the same roughly the same thing for a while. So I think a lot of people just decided that this wasn't a meta that had things that they were interested in flying or were competitive enough to fly and whatnot. And like uh like Brett mentioned, you know, the the short time and and travel and you know how everything is just happening. But I think that in my opinion is a, is a part of it as well because I was even thinking about going and I kind of talked myself out of it. Yeah, I was in the same boat. I like this I I don't mind hyperspace usually, but this is not my favorite hyperspace cycle, so I decided I didn't feel like it was worth the trip. When is LVO? Is that January or February? I believe the end of January. Hmm, interesting. Okay. Um yeah, so I I think personally it's going to be interesting to actually really see how uh this over the next year this kind of uh develops um like i said i I think amg is in a spot that like they're probably hands are tied via or asmody um but let's see what happens um until then i I would definitely try to keep supporting these events uh these community-based events all your local store um uh events and everything like that like I, i think that's huge and um keep the game thriving because like i said i i think even with coming back off of out of the uh covid time warp you're seeing a lot of new faces and people that probably discover the game in there um so uh, i hope this does continue and um i i think we really as a community need to like focus on um getting it back to where it was until AMG can really lift it up. Um, hopefully they do. Um, any other comments about anything else before we move on to these new packs? Um, uh, one thing I uh, yeah, just want to, one thing I just want to mention is there's, I mean, I, I wouldn't be too worried about turnout for this stuff. I mean, it's just in our area, but how quickly the East coast gamer events have been filling up, like in literally hours, the, people want to play. Like, people have been chomping at the bit to play. I completely um, agree. 40 people, that's bigger than a lot of hyperspace trials were. And this yeah. is this has been, ha- this it's happened, you know, two months where the people have shown up, and the third month now that they've scheduled it for, again, filled up in a, you know, basically a day. I think there might be, like I said, one or two spots left, and that's it. So, uh, I completely agree. Like, if... If, you know, this area here is able to get 40 people that quickly, I don't think we're dealing with a, you know, a situation of a dead game or a stale game or anything like that. No, I think what the what we're seeing at East Coast Gamers is people are willing to travel a fair distance. We had people from New York. We had people from Pennsylvania. We had people from Delaware, as well as the people from New Jersey. What they might not be willing to do is travel, you know, five or six hours by plane to play. 
because of issues with COVID. And I think we have to keep the local scene alive so that when it all does blow over, then we do have the national scene, the international scene. They can all come back to get. They can all come back and you know they won't have gone anywhere because we will all still be there. Yeah, I mean, you can even take a, a a little bit of just look at the turnout with some of the the Gold Squadron Galaxies events. They've gotten pretty pretty consistent, pretty decent turnout. So like, there's people that want to play X-wing. Um, just opportunities haven't haven't been there, and some of the opportunities that have been opened up just recently, in a lot of people's cases, just aren't aren't realistic. But uh, it's the, the desire to play is definitely there, and as things open up more and more events start popping up, um, I, I I definitely think we'll we'll see a, an eventual return to to what X Wing was, and maybe even more, because I I do think a lot of the online play did actually bring new people in because there was very little to no buy in to uh to learn how to play the game. So, yep, I agree. I mean, just at this tournament, I meant. I think three people who had started playing since COVID. Like, same. Yeah. I mean, that's yeah. impressive. There were also three British people, also impressive. It's like 7.8% of the total population of the store I worked out as. It's an inordinate <laughs> amount of British people in one, in one town in America. One, alone. one building. Shop. Yeah. Hmm. I don't know how I feel about that. <laughs> <laughs> the British are coming. <laughs> the British are coming. Just wait till uh, they get to Philadelphia. Oh goodness! Throw them in the river. Oh, Brent, were you going to say anything? Uh, or did you? Yeah. I actually was going to say the exact same thing. Chance was about how, yeah. um, you know, I think the local scene events really are indicative of how strong the game is. Yep. Yep. Um. All right. Uh. Anything else before we move into the new content? Oh, uh, yeah, I wanted to give out uh, a shout-out to Sam Page. Um, Sam is notorious for coming and winning all of our regionals, and he uh, he went to uh, LSO, made the cut, and finished uh, in the second day's heat in second place. So, uh, definite shout-out to him. That's a, a great showing, and I'm not surprised uh, after seeing him do so well uh, basically every time I've seen him. I liked his list, too. Yeah. Solid list. What was his list again? For the people that weren't paying attention at the beginning of the episode? Uh, so he Not had Andrew. he had uh, Lieutenant Bastion, Nimi Shireen, Jess Pava, and Temin Wexley, which I actually believe is exactly what Paul flew um, this week. It's the black, it's the black two Temin Wexley with the um, S4 shenanigans as opposed to free boost snap. So, yeah, just, I mean, four T70s are very strong. We've said many times here that they always just have one too many health. And, uh, you know, all four of these abilities are fantastic. They make these things hit really hard. Uh, I do not like T70s. I Definitely, don't either. Uh, thankfully, I just have one more health. Oh, I can probably do that now, can I? You could? Yeah. Whoa. Hold up. We're list building. Stop. Stop the podcast. What can we do with? We can do a. It would have to be just a zealous recruit with a. Yo, four zealous recruits a shield upgrade. Easy game's over. <laughs> and a four point bid. Um, okay, 
So let's, uh, enough with uh, Fang Fighters. Uh, let's jump into yet another Y-Wing. Y-Wing, the miniatures game. Is there more Y-Wings than X-Wings in this game right now? Yes, by far. No, there are three Y-Wings and two X-Wings. The Scum Y-Wing right. and the Y-Wing are the same thing. Just they've got slightly different... Um, they have elicits. They do. So do some of the Rebels. So possibly to some of the re resistance. Yeah. But for some reason we need another Y wing. Um, <clears throat> I would have loved to see like something else come out. Like even if it was just a resistance B wing, this is just personal choice. I can be completely good. Hmm. So I have flown one Y wing at a tournament ever, if I recall correctly. Was so it Anakin? Yes. <laughs> I said I was sorry. <laughs> um, so I'm not a Y-Wing fan, but I think that what we know about this New Republic Y-Wing looks really cool. Like, this ship chassis ability, I think, is one of the coolest ones that I have seen in 2nd Edition. Um, so just I'll just explain it quickly. It's got a thing called Intuitive Interface, and it's after you perform an action that's added to your action bar by... A uh, pilot talent, an illicit, or a modification, you get to perform a free calculate action. Um, so it lets you build these things in many different ways based on the role you're looking for. And I just, I love that flexibility. Like you, you could build it out like six different ways and they all are completely different. So yes. what like actions are, are from the, um, that you would be able to benefit from this? So I went through today and I made a list. So thank you for that I'm question. Sure you did. So you can get an evade action by putting debris gambit on there. You can get a target lock action by putting targeting computer, a boost by doing engine upgrade, a barrel roll with expert handling, a reinforce with angled deflectors, or a coordinate. But it would be red. It's using squad leader. So you would need tack officer or something to be able to do the calculate action. So probably not going to be coordinating much. But the other uh, the other five all seem like legitimate options. That, you know, that slipped my mind, but adding, like, just a white target lock to that is pretty good, I guess. Right, all of a sudden, target lock, calculate. I mean, we don't know what slots there are on this thing yet, but uh, if they have some type of ordinance, that's going to be a really nice alpha strike. Right. All right, well, uh, you know, what do you guys think? I mean, like I said, I'm tired of y-wings but i think this is you know is this just replacing the bombers well i mean really the the spiciest y-wing they've they've put out they tried to do something a little different with the republic one but that didn't work out but this i think definitely has some some potential i mean like even just a, an engine upgrade you got a a boost into a calculate and we all know how good boost into focus is so and it's not red Right, like yeah. it's not a it's not a, a red action, so uh, you get to you know then do it too hard and do it again the next turn, so they can you know like Suntir fell it up almost. Yeah, and they they, they do have, have a like... a blue three straight, which is uh, new for for Y wings, so they're faster. And I wouldn't be surprised if these have like a a, a cannon slot or something. You could put synced laser cannons on them, get the boost into a white calculate, and take advantage of that. Oh, that would be. 
That would be really strong. I I yeah. was honestly just thinking if you can just throw, you know, an ion, uh, like cannon turret or whatever on it, and just do the the donuts, and you know, you can either focus or you can boost and and get the calculate and always have that thing in arc. I don't know. Of of all the Y wings that aren't named Anakin, I think this is just the chassis ability makes it much more exciting to me than anything else. It certainly looks a lot more thematic as well. I mean, when you're considering the Look, if you look at the, the the fact that a lot of these upgrades are red, it kind of does. And the, then you look at the the intuitive interface; it does kind of come across as this ship that they built to fulfill a lot of roles. But you have to build it for that role. And that's to, yeah, that's been my, way you can do everything. And that's been my favorite part about 2.0 is like all the different configs, right? That make yeah. the ships feel so different, right? The seven Bs feel so different than the CLTs, which feel so different than just a, a naked Aether Sprite. This is going to be the same thing, right? Like, oh, if I put target lock on this, then I'm going to be hitting really hard. If I put boost on there, then I'm going to be really maneuverable. Um, yeah. And I, I love when they make the ships because we don't get a lot of ships, right? I mean, we get maybe like four waves a year. So I like when the, the waves have multiple options per ship, or, or it feels that way at least. Yeah, it, ma it makes you feel like you're getting more bang for your buck if you can do multiple things with essentially the same model. Right. Mm -hmm. It also lets them, I think it gives them a little more room with uh, with costing, because you have both of the both the ship chassis you can adjust, and also potentially configs and whatnot that you can adjust as well. So it gives them a little more flexibility to balance it as well. Yep. So, yeah, I I don't know. I Of all the Y-Wings, like I said, I'm most excited about this one. I I pre-ordered it immediately as soon as I saw that uh, that chassis ability. Yeah, I need to go to top deck. Nerd. <laughs> Nerds! It's, it's true. So as as Chance said, the, you know the BTLB, the, the Republic Y Wing, tried to do something special and it didn't really work. This one, I think, is it might not be anything special, but it's certainly a lot more interesting than anything we've seen done with a Y Wing recently. I mean, I won't lie; like I'm looking at these cards and especially this uh, configuration and uh, mod. Uh, I definitely see, like, they, they put some work into it that is not just another Y-Wing. Yeah, like, after the crap they released for the the scum Y-Wings, like, to see that they actually had all these good ideas that they were holding back, it's, it's like, I don't know. It, it's good to see, but it's also, like, why do you release all those horrible scum Y-Wings? Because scum hey, doesn't need it. more toys right now. Rub it in my face. Sorry, buddy. <laughs> Well then, uh, why, so did you go over Wartime Loadout? Yeah, Wartime Loadout excites me, but it also concerns me. I mean, it's a standardized it's a standardized card, config and modification. You get two shields, a white target lock, a white reload. You gain a torpedo and a missile slot, and you replace your ship ability. So you replace that free calculate with... Devastating Barrage. While you perform a torpedo or missile attack, if the defender is in your bullseye arc, your torpedo results cannot your torpedo crits cannot be cancelled by evade results. Now that on the face of it sounds amazing, but how much is it gonna cost? Because you're adding another what? Two, you're adding another two health to an, to a seven health ships. You're adding almost another twenty percent health, I think. Yeah, and so, then you're adding a torpedo and a missile slot. So basically what this card does is it 
it says all that cool stuff we just did. All right, we're going to give you a regular standard uh, Y-Wing as well that has one extra shield because it's a New Republic one instead of a, a Rebellion one. Right, like that, that that's really what this card does, I think. Yeah. Uh, uh, hang on. Because I feel like they're normally four and four. So this no, would... no, 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 no. The, the Rebel one is six and two. Did they used to be four and four then in first edition? I don't know. Okay, so yes, in that case, you are giving the one extra health, but you're making it significantly more heavily shielded. Yeah. And I get the feeling this is going to be something that's priced on initiative like Delta 7. Delta 7B. Because the higher your initiative, the more likely you are to be able to capitalize on those torpedo and missile attacks, especially with the bullseye arc. Yeah, that could be. I gotta say, like, the devastating barrage, not interesting to me. Um, like, I... I don't see bullseye on a y-wing that's like as being that big of a threat do you with against large base ship I mean, there's a plenty of medium and large base ships around especially right now you know you rock up your torpedo let's say ketsu and she rolls double evades and like oh sorry those are crits yeah so w when it happens it's great right but you're not yeah. like it's it's not anything you're you're building your list around devastating barrage right really you're what you're saying is yeah i want that torpedo or missile slot those shields are great and give me back my white target lock and let me reload i mean if, if you could put nora wexley in one of these and you wanted to be at range one i would quite happily slap some proton rockets on there and really just go for the go for the bullseye because why not yeah uh, if you, yes and we don't know what the the pilot abilities no. are for any of these things yet so there could be something where this uh bullseye works extremely well um, but my theory is is that if this is what uh, the mod config looks like, the base Y-Wing won't have a torpedo slot. No, I, I think you're probably right. I think it's going to just be uh, a turret slot, probably, in bombs, which can't be reloaded until you put this on it. Um, but that makes it, you know, much more affordable as well. Definitely. I mean, we're looking at 30, 30, is what, 30 points currently for a I Initiative 2 Grey Squadron? You could be looking at, say, 28, 27 for something like this. Bearing in mind, it also has less health. No, yep, and yeah, it's got less health. And it has the, the built-in tax of you're going to need to take one of those, you know, upgrade cards that we were talking about to get, yeah. you know, the, the ship that you're trying to build. I mean, I think the yep. cheapest one is probably uh, targeting computer at two points. So, you know, you got to add two points on onto that tax, really. So I think points are. I think it's going to come out very aggressive as far as points go. I mean, it'll be interesting to see if people start using this as a filler ship with a turret on it. Just slap a dorsal turret on it and run it instead of, I don't know, a pod or a chief A wing or. Yeah, fireballs or all that. Yeah. That jazz. I I agree. I think I think it's going to see a lot of play. I mean, I'm quietly confident in the fact they've put two of them in there, and I don't think they'd put two of them in there if you weren't going to want to use two in a list. Uh, that could be, yeah. I mean, they, they also could, like, they've been trying so hard not to, to, or, or I guess just to probably, like, uh, capitalize more on these that, you know, making the, so you have to buy two is probably just a smart business decision I mean, as well. That, I wasn't going to say it. I always, I always say that, don't <laughs> worry. Um, and it, it, it also comes with, uh, some new upgrade cards that 
uh, we don't know all of them yet, but there is one astromech, which is, I think, uh, particularly relevant here, which is watchful astromech. And it's after you perform a reload or rotate action, if you're in an enemy ship's firing arc, you may perform a red uh, calculate action. So, uh, you know, if you're taking that turret, it gives you another way of, of getting that um, that calculate token, or it gives you a chance to reload and still have a, a mod for defense. So, yeah. I, I mean, that's I can't think of a of a ton of non Y wing ships that this is a useful astromech for. But on oh, and it's not faction limited. It's nope. no requirements whatsoever. So, I mean, it could be a a pretty you know important uh, astromech going forward. There was a brief discussion on Discord about this being used on a T-70 with an underslung blaster cannon. But I think at that point you are throwing upgrades at a ship that doesn't need them for the sake of essentially memeing it. Yeah, and how often do you want to waste your action to uh, to rotate there with the the, the yeah. T-70? Like, I agree, you, you, you could do it, could. But, but, but should you? No. <laughs> Um, so I don't know. Anyone else have have any more thoughts on this? Like I I think it's it's looking really cool. It's gonna have a bunch of of new cards, uh, an easy buy as far as I'm concerned. One card that matters the most. We're getting an illicit Babu Frick. Yep. And we all know how how important that is. Yes. Very true. Babu Frick is you know the most important thing. Uh, and it looks like we're getting some new missiles and. Again, new Astromax and stuff like that. So, uh... One thing I do want to mention about it, too, because it's in both of these new packs, we can talk about it. There's some new kind of deployable-looking obstacle, almost like a, a, a spare parts canister or a, a rigged cargo chute, but it's almost electrical, and it's incredibly wide. We don't yeah. know anything about it, but it's it's like three base lengths wide it actually looks like there are two of them in the pack as well yeah um those look could be very very interesting if they have some kind of like ion effect or something like that yeah it kind of looks like the same size maybe even bigger than the um the the connor net right like it's, it's, it's definitely bigger than a connor net yeah it's three base lengths across I feel like a Conron, that's really big. Am I am I, I, don't, I can't I've never used one, so I couldn't tell you. I think it's bigger than the Ray Card issue, yeah. Yeah. New bombs. Yeah, I don't know. It looks yeah. it looks neat. Wait, there are new bombs too? Yeah. No, I'm saying well that's that's what I'm imagining. Whatever it, that is there. And there's some yeah, that but no, it's, it looks like some kind of missile kind of thing. It's it might be some kind of probe or drone. Maybe. Yeah, it might be a new device for uh, resistance. I mean, if, they're, if they're buying it, if they're really leaning into the um, police ship kind of thing, that could be some kind of sensor boy. You know, you place you place them around the place them around the thing, or you launch them like Discord missiles, and you can take log locks from them or something. Yeah, that's definitely a mechanic they have seemed to like a lot. That's my speculation, at least. And it does look like a bomb. It's just above Bobby Frick there in the in the thing. So is that not concussion bombs? In my mind, that was just a con concussion bomb. But maybe I'm getting my art mixed up. I mean, they do like to switch up the art, don't they? So who knows? There's a new bomb on the cards, and that's the only thing that's listed as far as bombs. 
Unless there's, I mean, there's that stack of cards there that looks like it could have another bomb in there. But yeah, overall, like this thing's just packed with cards. It really is. I mean, it's got what eight, ten pilots. Yep. I mean, there's a couple copies, but I mean, yep. Even still, that's that's a lot. So, I mean, overall, it's probably a pretty good pack. Um, it's a shame they make you buy two. <laughs> um, but, I mean, if it, it is coming with all those cards, it's one of those things that you only need to buy one of, and, uh, you know, you're good. Yeah. Instead of having to buy, like, multiples. But it's definitely interesting to see what this pack is going to have to offer to the rest of the game. I, I think I think it's it's like a an Auto Thrusters expansion, potentially, where it has just cards that are incredibly useful for multiple factions right which is possible I'm, I'm okay with at this point i felt like they kept their promise long enough of not making us buy new or buy stuff uh if you yeah. buy the conversion kits like in order to keep the game healthy i i say go for it make some money if you have sure. to <laughs> yeah i'm just thinking this is going to be for a lot of people this is going to be the babu frick upgrade yeah it, it definitely could be like i god i want to know what that card says I hate that yeah, the too. image resolution is just so low. It's like right there in front of us, and all I can see is that it has a number of charges greater than one. All right. Um, so anything else we want to touch base with the new Y way? No, I think uh, I think. I think we pretty much covered it. All right, Chance. Let's hear your little giddiness for this new. Uh, first uh, order high whisper, which I know uh, it seems like in the Discord you're not too happy with it, but I think it looks pretty cool. I've been coming around on the whisper. It's the bomber that that we'll, we'll get to that later. Okay. But uh, but anyway, so yeah, the new Thai whisper. It's it's a very unique ship, to to say the least. You've got a three die bullseye, similar to the uh, the Jedi's Edda ships or the Nantex, and then a two die turret arc. Um, that works just like the TIE SF, where you can only rotate it forward and backwards, but you can also shoot missiles out of your turret arc forwards or backwards, so that's neat. Um, it's only two green dice, only two evades, which is unusual for these kind of like interceptor-style ships. Uh, three hull and two shields. Um, and then similar to the TIE SF, it has a whole bunch of linked actions. So you've got focus into linked white rotate, barrel roll and boost all linked into white rotate and then you also have an evade and a tar target lock and all of the actions are white um the dial is pretty good too it's very reminiscent of the edda dial as well where all of the two and three banks are white and are uh, blue and then your four and five straight are blue as well uh your only reds are three sloops and a four and a 5k um so this is a fast ship um but uh, then the uh, the the two things we to really talk about are the new Kylo Ren, uh, my favorite pilot in this game, who has finally been promoted up to three force uh, over his uh, his two, who his also has a new pilot ability, which is uh, before an enemy ship in your bullseye is dealt a face down damage card, you can spend one force. If you do, that damage is dealt face up. Um, and what's cool about that is it's not just his shots, and you're also not limited to just doing it once. Um, to my knowledge, because damage is dealt one at a 
time, if you really wanted to, you could spend two or three force charges to effectively deal two or three crits instead of just regular hits. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong on that one. No, I think you're right, but I would be. It wouldn't be two or three hits or crits. I'm sorry. It would just be two or three face-up damage cards. Correct. Which matters correct. because one of the the crits is fuel leak, right? And if you could just automatically trigger it, that would be really strong. Um, and the timing, though, like you're saying, also works out really well because you could say, okay, yeah, let's do that one face up. Oh, good, I already got a direct hit. I don't need to spend any more force or, okay, that wasn't the direct hit I'm looking for. I'll do another one and just, you know, wait and see if you get that direct hit you need to kill the ship and then you can save the rest of your force. Yeah. Um, so, like, how this, th it looks like how this thing flies is, like, almost a a weird mash between a, a Nantex and like a, an RZ two a wing, which I never thought I'd have to say, but, uh, no, it's, it's definitely going to be a very unique ship. And at first everyone, including myself was a little, uh, little underwhelmed by it until we got the reveal of its first config, uh, enhanced jamming suite, which takes up config in your tech slot. Um, which Walt, which does while you jam, you can choose yourself or another friendly ship, and then while you defend, if the attacker has no green tokens or there is a jammed ship in the attack arc, you may roll one additional defense die. So this ship can effectively get up to the three green dice like we're used to on interceptors. Um, and the way it does this is this con config gives it a linked focus, barrel roll, and boost all into a white jam action, which is just... <laughs> it's just... The, the, the possibilities here are, are through the roof now with this config, I think it's safe to say. This config is one of, like, the most mind-blowing things that I have seen. Like, I'm still trying to work out, like, how you would use it in the best possible way, but... Uh, in my mind, this should be an auto-include. I don't care how much it costs. Yeah, it, it has it has places in on a, like a cheap generic to just be a blocker blocking jamming ship because you can move in and either booster barrel roll for a block and then potentially jam, uh, or just you know token up and jam. Um, it, it has tons of potential there. And then it also, of course, has tons of potential on a ship like Kylo, who can take advantage of the uh, new jam mechanic where the you get range 2 jam in Bullseye uh, versus just the standard range 1 bubble. So Kylo can use the uh, linked barrel roll or boost to potentially line up a Bullseye, give him a range 2 jam, give him his 3 dice Bullseye shot, and still have the force to modify... And unlike the silencer Kylo, none of this stresses him. They they have like such a, a good dial with the five straight and the three banks being blue, and it's like, but you're almost never gonna need them because you're not getting you're stressed just, very often here. And you're just gonna be one harding practically uh every turn. We see how the Jedi do, where they're just one harding almost every turn, it feels like, both the uh Eddas and the Aether Sprites, because the one hard is probably the strongest maneuver in the game, I think. Um, and especially when you're trying to, to line up those bullseyes. So, yeah, the, the, the potential here between the rotates and jam and everything is, is very high. Now, the flip side on that is, admittedly, 
it is only a two green ship with five health, so it's a little bit uh, less tanky than a Thai SF. Um, and if you do mess up the jamming, you could end up basically having to just jam yourself to try to get a th third dice, which I'm not a math person, so I don't know if three dice versus two with a focus, I don't know which one is better. I think the focus is better mathematically, but again, I'm not a math person. Um, but yeah, so this is a, a really, really high ceiling ship. Um, but I think the, uh, the, the floor is pretty high too, because you can't just not automatically naturally rely on three of eight dice. Um, and it also doesn't have double reposition. Um, so unlike, again, the silencer, uh, you don't have the ability to just, you know, completely change where you're landing to try to dodge arcs and whatnot. Um, now, the one thing I do want to mention that has that really has my head spinning with this card with Kylo Ren is supernatural reflexes. As if that card wasn't already absolutely bananas enough because of the linked actions that the Whisper and the Enhanced Jamming Suite has, uh, Kylo can boost or barrel roll before revealing his dial, rotate his arc or jam do his maneuver, and then do an action, and then either jam or rotate whichever one he didn't do. So the action economy there is just astronomical. Um, and being that he has three force, um, he won't be as force-starved as Silencer Kylo can sometimes with his only two. Um, it's, it's a lot to wrap your head around, but the, the potential of this ship is just, is just insane. Yeah, it's going to take a while, I think, before people figure out all the, or or at least get good at all the supernatural uh, stuff there, but I agree. I mean, it sounds incredibly degenerate, and that's coming from me, who, like, really likes degenerate stuff. Um, I, I'm liking the idea of this supernatural shenanigans more than normal, Kylo. That just sounds fun. It, it really does, right? <laughs> you now, say that until you run into a Kylo who just, you know supernatural three four straights every turn rotates his turret and just literally never even has to worry about getting shot at for an entire game because we know that this is going to drop and then everyone is always is already going to have always been a first order player including me so i'm never going to have to come across one because i'm going to be flying one you took the words out of my mouth everyone's a first order player when von reg came out and we see how that turned out this is true. <laughs> <He's so> <laughs> very <laughs> true Cards <laughs> are just bad. But uh and then another big thing, and we can't not mention this, is in the spread for the Whisper, there's a cloak token. So there is very most likely another config for this ship that in some way, shape, or form gives the Whisper the ability to cloak, which I don't think it needs to be said, again, makes the potentiality of this ship incredible. You lose all the jamming shenanigans, but a ship with linked rotate actions that can decloak with this dial? Whew. I I mean it's it's got the same health and agility as a uh, a phantom does. Um the offense is obviously a little different, but it's also more flexible because of that rotating turret. Um and the fact that it could take missiles too. Uh, which the Phantoms obviously cannot. Um, so that's definitely definitely something to keep our eye on, see what other kind of crazy shenanigans 
this ship is going to be able to get up to. But uh, I, I am... Uh, this is probably one of the ships I think I'm most excited to get on the board. The more and more they show of it, because it just looks so unique. Um, and I think uh, FFG did a really good job at making another interceptor in first order completely unique. It it doesn't just feel like another interceptor. This ship is going to feel totally different compared to the silencer and and the Baron and everything. Yeah. So I'm looking at the spread right now. And I see two cloak tokens. Am I wrong here? Uh, I don't have the spread open right now, but yeah, that's that's possible. Because that might mean that it is actually for the bomber, of which there are two, and not the silencer. That would be interesting. Or, I'm sorry, whisper, whatever it is. <laughs> like, I, I have um, no idea if it is or not, but I mean, that... If there's two of them, I would think that it would go on, uh, you know, the ship of which there are two. Maybe the Whisper can cloak other ships? Maybe. That is possible. Could you imagine <laughs> the shenanigans of a supernatural Kylo with a cloaking device? No. No, I cannot. I two don't think two. my brain can Power handle one. that. Hard one. Target lock. Delete. So, uh, moving on, though, from the Whisper, um, which I, I can't wait to see what else they reveal for this, because there is at least three other, or two other uh, unique pilots that I'm really curious how their, uh, their pilot abilities will play into this chassis and whatnot. Um, we also have the TIE SE Bomber for the First Order. So, First Order will finally have the ability to use bombs. It's only taken a couple years, but we finally got there. Um, but yeah, so the First Order Bomber, it's a two red, two green, four hull, two shields. So, same amount of health as the Empire Bomber, but you're trading two hull for two shields. And a small a focus, base. And a small base, because this thing's huge. Um, a lot of people thought it was going to be a medium, because the model is gigantic, but it's partially just because the wings are flipped outwards. So they, like, stick out more. Um, but actions-wise, we're looking at focus target lock, uh, barrel roll into a red target lock, just like the Thai bomber, uh, a red boost, which is new, and then a uh, reload into a red evade, which is actually really interesting and not at the same time, which I'll get into. Um, the biggest thing that this thing has is its ship ability, which is pursuit thrusters, which is during the system phase, you can perform a white boost action. Uh, and being that's in the system phase, you get to pick whether you drop bombs or boost first. So, yeah. We think, anyway. Right? As the rules are right now, you get to do that. But there is a rule on, on, on decloaking and, and dropping, so they, they may add it now that uh, this is clearly a thing that you can do. Yeah. Um, now, like I mentioned, uh, it does have the red boost and that reload into a red evade. Uh, the thing to take into note there is the blues on this bomber are the one straight, the two straight, and the three straight. Um, so it has a uh, quite poor dial for clearing stress, and overall, uh, I think it's easy to say worse dial than the Empire bomber. Um, so yeah, you you definitely don't want to stress this thing too much because it's going to be real obvious where you're going. Um, and then along with the first order bomber, we've had a couple cards spoiled with it that uh, that tie into it very well. 
Um, the first one is a feedback ping, which is a talent slot. Um, requires tie and a white reload. Um, after an enemy ship executes a maneuver, if it is at range 0 to 1 of a friendly device, you may acquire a lock on that ship, ignoring range restrictions. Um, so this ties into the sensor buoys that FO has, which would allow the bombers to just get locks on them, period. Um, but it also is, of course, going to apply to any mines or bombs you drop. Um, there's a lot of potential with this card. I'm still... Uh, jury's out on me with this one on on how relevant it's going to be um because i look at it of uh so it's going to give you an idea of if they're range one of the device but it also gives your opponent that information as well so they can know potentially whether they need to boost or barrel roll away from a bomb to avoid it um which sometimes can come into play uh, and then there was one unique pilot uh, spoiled. Um, what's the name of him? I lost it here. Yeah, I didn't even put him in there. I, I wasn't super excited about it. I want to say it's like Barrage or something like that. Um. <laughs> uh, it's a Grudge, uh, which actually has a really cool ability. Um, while a friendly bomb or mine at range 0 to 2 detonates, each time attack dice are rolled to resolve its effect you may re-roll up to one of those dice. Um, so you can potentially event stop yourself from having blanked out uh, proximity mines, uh, which I think, if the timing for the system phase boost works with this thing, could be really dangerous uh, of just all the potential places you could drop a, uh, a proximity mine. Um, it's even more variable, basically, than the... Uh, tie bomber can because of how much further you're moving um and you can also put something like a skilled bombardier on here and drop it with like a two um but it also applies to thermal detonators proton bombs all that kind of stuff so so definitely a, an interesting one so it is interesting but i just maybe i'm just wrong but i feel like the way the rules are you're not rolling those dice when, you know, you drop a prox mine on your opponent. They're rolling the dice. So how do you get to use this ability where you may re-roll up to one of those dice? So it, they roll the dice, you pick it up and re-roll it. Is that, like, the thing that you get to pick up someone else's dice and, and re-roll it? This sounds like a uh, a clarification thing. I think the wording for it's just a little odd because technically I think Paul's right. You would pick it up and re-roll it, but picking up and just re-rolling, touching your opponent's dice, I don't think is anything oh. we've ever done. Yeah, I don't know. It, it just seems weird. Uh, each time attack dice are rolled to resolve its effect, you may re-roll up to one of those dice. And you refers to the ship always. Because when you hit a when you hit a mine, you roll two dice. And it doesn't say like friendly bomb or anything. It does right? say friendly oh, bomb. Fine, yeah. yeah. Right. So I don't see what you guys are. Uh, maybe I'm missing something. If it's a friendly bomb, then you're rolling the dice. No. When uh... so say Grudge drops a bomb and Chance runs over it with. I don't know, Kylo Ren, we're playing each other, then he would roll the two dice because he's right. the one who did mine. But then if he rolled blank crit, I would pick up the blank and re-roll it. 
that's what it's insinuating. <laughs> right. That's what I, I, I'm a little bit lost on this one. Hold I mean, on. let me think. Let me pull up the card. Okay. So while a friendly bomb or mine at range zero to two detonates, each time attack dice are rolled to resolve its effects, you may re-roll one of those dice. So yeah, so aren't you rolling the dice because it's a friendly bomb? Well, no, but like when a bomb goes off, don't if 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 you have if you're flying grudge and you drop a proton bomb, and right. I fly and next like... to it and hit it, don't I roll the dice for my own ship? That's how I've always done it, but, but maybe it's just a maybe it's just a disrespect. You roll for your own damage. I'm not sure, but yeah, I don't know. I've always had a roll for. I don't know. Um, we could probably have the rules, but I, I feel like this might clarify that the person whose bomb it is rolls. I mean, I've always rolled for. Um, I don't know. Say like, bomblet generator. If it's your bomb. Is your effects? Yeah. Okay, maybe I'm just playing it differently than other people. I've always had the the other person do the the rolling of the bomb. Yeah, same, same. Well, well you guys are wrong. Each each per well, so like well that's the thing like if a friendly bomb goes off and it hits my ship and your ship, I would roll the dice for my ship and you would roll the dice for your ship. That's how everyone I know has always done it. Well. You didn't play me. No. Um, <laughs> no, I, I think proximity mines, I think proximity mines, I, I might have done it like that, but I, I feel like any kind of bomb that I've had to drop has been that way that, like, I'll, I'll roll for the bomb. So, like, yeah, maybe the proximity mines, I would do that, but, um, but that could just be me. Um, yeah, I, I think personally, uh, I think it's pretty cut, cut and dry that it's whoever's bomb it is, it should, maybe should be the one rolling the dice that, in that case. Um, but, and I think it's pretty clear that that's the, even if it's not rules as written, it's pro definitely rules as intended in this case. I don't well, think there should be much. <clears throat> well, anyway, um, yeah, the, 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 anyway, the First Order Bomber definitely has some unique stuff. There's definitely some cool stuff with feedback ping of, like, dropping a prox, you know, using your pursuit thrusters to boost, dropping a prox mine on a ship. Uh, it takes the damage, but because it's, you know, range zero, you get a target lock, and then, you know, you sloop, uh, you three sloop behind, uh, or in front of it, basically, uh, with your target lock, and then you can, there's a multitude of first order cards you could use to still get, like, a focus between Pattern Analyzer or Proud Tradition. Um, so there's some cool stuff there with dropping bombs and then setting yourself up for a double modded shot or a torpedo or bomb shot because uh, obviously these are bombers, so these already we already know that these have both a missile and a torpedo uh, slot built in on just the uh, the generic. So there's some there's some cool stuff there. Um, and then also just with this pack in general, we already know there's three new force uh, force talents, one new pilot talent, which was I guess most likely the feedback ping, two new gunners and one new tech upgrade. So there's a lot of new stuff uh, in this pack, but besides just the ships. Um, and this pack also has that um, that rigged cargo chute-esque piece in it as well that's in the, uh, the Y-Wing pack. So both of the new 
faction packs are getting that that uh that piece. Yeah, and it looks like here there's two of them as well. Yeah. So I think uh well the Y Wing might just be a buy one and done. I think me personally, I'm probably gonna be buying two of these because I'm gonna want at least two tie whispers. And I I think four bombers is probably the, the, the good number to have. You could probably be fine with two, but I think four will cover anything you're probably gonna do with them. I doubt you'd ever want to fly five fo bombers it's not a thing you really see in empire anymore so it's i doubt it's going to be a thing you're going to see with uh with fo um and i don't know about you guys but points wise i think these are going to be priced pretty close to the uh the empire bombers just based off of like the fact that the dial is pretty bad and i i don't know i don't know if pursuit thrusters is worth that much more than the the nimble bomber ability that the empire has which is also really good but not used very often correct right where this correct. is this is going to be used if you're running missiles torpedoes bombs like whatever you're using that system phase boost is really good where with the the tie bombers you know only bombers I think bombs the work pursuit thruster is, is really good i mean especially if you have something like a higher initiative ship, like the block potential. Are these a medium base or a small base? Small base. Small. Right. So even still, like I think that alone gives these things so much leeway. Like uh, I think, you know, it sucks that they don't have the banks or anything like that, but doing the boost into the straight, like it's the same thing as a bank. You just have to like position it a little bit better. Um, uh, I don't know. I think, I think that ship ability is really good. Like, you can even if you're trying to telegraph, like someone thinks that you're doing something, you could be telegraphing completely different things. Um, you know, you probably don't need to do that many sloops unless you're in a uh, real pinch with these things, because if you're doing the bank and then a turn, you're almost, you know you're getting pretty close to there. Um, I, I don't know. I, I really think that, you know, you're not stressing these things unless they're taking the panicked pilot crit, like, or like they're in that dire need that they need to turn around. Um, and like I said, there's so much potential in there for blocking. There's so much potential in there for just escaping, like doing that um, boost. And then do they have a three bank? Yes. And it's it's white. Right. So regardless, I mean, that covers so much ground. Uh, I really think that these that is a really strong ability. Yeah. And the boost into a sloop can put them in really awesome positions the time that you do have to use it. I mean, I I have to spend a force when I do this on, on Anakin to get that system phase boost. Here, it's just completely free. Yeah. Like, like I, it's an incredibly strong ability, I think. Even just, like, the boost and the, you know, if you have to do a, a red one hard, like, anyone who played at the end of uh, 1.0 knows how strong that maneuver was on the Reaper. Yeah. I wouldn't do it a lot, though, because then it is stressful, like we said. But the boost and the two hard also really good. So, uh, but yeah, so overall, this, this First Order pack has a lot to be excited about, and we've kind of... I mean, we've got Kylo, but there's still quite a bit in this pack that we don't... Uh, 
we don't know between whatever's going on with the cloak tokens and uh, there's two more I-5 pilots, one for the Whisper and one for the Bomber and a bunch of other unique pilots for the uh, the Bomber too, which could be really good. Um, so yeah, there's there's a lot going on in this pack. It's definitely, for anyone that plays First Order, one minimum, I'd recommend two. If, yeah. If uh, if you can if you can swing it. I agree. I ordered one, but I basically immediately decided, crap, I need to get a second one, uh, because I have a lot of interest in the whisper and zero interest in the bombers. Which is funny because I do really think that a list of uh, the bombers and a whisper might have some uh, some legs. Well, good. They made a good squadron pack for people to get into the game. Then. That's yeah, what, and with that's this, what we like uh, to see. With this, every faction. Uh, has a squadron pack now, doesn't it? It does. And well, look at that. All it... right. Uh, is there anything else you guys want to cover with this pack? Three new force talents. Can't wait to see them. Uh, yeah. I hope they're on dark side. That's fine. I'm a first order player. Yeah. On me. Oh. <sighs> I'm just glad you can't. Right. I'm just glad you can't take a trajectory simulator. Because so... silly. One one thing I want to point out, uh, and I feel the need to do this, so when they revealed the dial for the Thai SE bomber, the FO bomber, they listed all the slots, and it says upgrade slots for First Order Cadet, which is the generic I-3. They didn't do that with, like, the, um, the Y-Wing or, or anything else. Uh, so it does make me wonder if there's either configs or different slots on on different uh ships sort of like how the some of the droids are um i might just be looking too far into this but uh i think right now you are because i don't think they've officially released the dials for the other ships yet so i don't think they've had the opportunity to also put the slots and indicate whether or not it has a like a specific pilot or not. All right, you got me there. But that oh, would be that would be interesting. Right. Who knows? And if the I mean if the I3 is the one, is there an I1 generic do we know? I think there's an I2. Okay, so yeah, so um, also that's part of it is the I2 is not going to have the talent slot probably. Yeah. But maybe you're right. I I'm I'll hold out hope for you. All right. Uh so I think that is going to do it for this week's episode. I want to thank Chance for coming on. I want to thank Brett for coming on. I want to thank Paul for coming on. Brett's always here. I want to thank you for but, coming uh, back. Thanks. You know, I try. Life is hard. I know. Anyway. And me hounding <laughs> you every week doesn't make it any easier, I'm sure. But we have big things in the works. Don't don't worry. Um X-Wing is back in person. We are in the talks of doing something big. Um, but um, until then, continue uh, supporting your local stores. They're the ones that uh, really uh, took the hardest hits with everything that happened. Um, so uh, I'm definitely interested in these two packs, even though I'm, you know, always been a first order player. I'm sure I was always going to get this pack. Um, all right, guys. Well, then, uh, thank you again. Again, for listening, check us out on Facebook um, at Liberty Squadron. Um, you can find a lot of our events and uh, 
most of everything that we're posting there. Um, other than that, thanks for listening and have a good night.